0: What up, Stokers of Stoke Nation? This is J.T. Parr. Uh, I'm interrupting your regularly scheduled programming to give you a few notes on this episode. First one, we're interviewing Tony Hawk, It was awesome. He's super smart and he was on it. Um, The second one is that the first 15 minutes of audio didn't record properly. So we tacked that on at the end of the interview because it just sounds shitty. But he actually talks about some really cool stuff in that section like landing the 900 at the X Games and all of the work he put into Tony Hawk Pro Skater the Game. So I would recommend listening to all of it. Um, And yeah, enjoy the episode. It's up right now. Later, Stokers. We were talking about Tony Hawk. I kind of wanted to learn more about your childhood and stuff and growing up in San Diego. I grew up in Orange County, so not far from here. Yeah.
1: Uh, I grew up in San Diego. My dad was in the Navy. Um, He retired here. uh, And kind of normal, I don't know, middle class, suburban life, public schools. (laughs) Uh, I started skating mostly because my, my friends were doing it as a hobby and my older brother was a surfer and so he skated as well and um I got one of his hand me down boards and that's how I started. Were you good right away? No, not at all. I I in fact I, I remember the first time I got on the board, I pushed down the driveway and was yelling, How do I turn? How do I turn? How do I turn? <laughs> and then I ran into the fence and got splinters in my hands. Really? Yeah. Um but uh and I didn't think much of it. Like I liked it. It was fun but but I ended up going to the skate park on an, on the invite of a friend of mine for the first time maybe about 6 months later mm-hmm. and that's when i knew that's what i wanted to do because i saw these i saw these literally guys flying out of pools yeah and i was like this is it this is what i want to I want to do that at any cost was that like z boys stuff kind of time period it was kind of at the tail end of that right you know there's a lot of misconception that somehow like I was part of that. Crew. There's like was, a direct I was, correlation. I was nine years old, when, <laughs> right. when those guys were superstars. Yeah, but but definitely their influence was part of that whole movement, bespe- with skating pools and with doing aerials, and that was it. I mean, once I saw people doing aerials
2: out of swimming pools, that was like I I didn't.
0: Your eyes just went big, and you're like, I Yeah,
2: do I didn't this. want
1: to play any other sports. I just wanted to do that.
2: Nice. How long did it take for you to drop in on vert?
1: It's weird to say. In my era, because we were skating pools that, that sort of varied in depth as they went up to the shallow end. Yeah. So I just worked my way up to the, the deep end. Okay. Um, and so I don't remember thinking like, this is the moment I'm dr-. You know what I mean? It's not like this, this great separation of, I can jump in on mirror I can jump in for It was just more like, I can jump in on the deep end now. That you, and it wasn't so. It's it was a different time. So yeah, it's just hard to it's hard to say. If I had to guess what age I was,
2: I was probably eleven or twelve at the time. Were were half pipes around at that point, or is it just pools? Not in the
1: traditional sense. There were a couple. There were kind of there were novelties. Mm-hmm. Like Pepsi had a demo ramp that they put on a float, and it was clear <laughs> and it was literally a half pipe. There was no flat bottom. There okay, no, there were no decks on it. Yeah. So that's kind of what ramps were back in that time. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I'd say early '80s where people started building backyard ramps that were proper that you could actually do tricks and, and do stuff maybe that wasn't possible in a pool. Gotcha. Would you skate to school? Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially in elementary school, yeah. Um, there was a in my in my high school the first high school I went to. There was this drainage ditch that ran almost along the length of where I lived to the school. So on the way home, I could skate the drainage ditch all the way down. Whoa! The reservoir.
2: That's cool. And at that time, um, skating wasn't really like people weren't doing it to be cool. It's sort of like for the love of the sport. Would you say? Yeah, or was it
1: well, kind when of, I started? It was like, just. It was more like a fad. It was like yeah. yo-yo of the time. Okay. And so kids would skate, and then they would. Grow out of it, yeah. Um, but if you kept skating, then you were just marked as as basically a nerd because it was like, why are you still skating? Right. It's like doing karate
0: when you're in high school. Everyone's like, yeah, it's normal like you when you're like up. 11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: pretty much. And also just that it wasn't cool anymore. So yeah, it was it was hard to get any sense of validation or accomplishment, especially at an age when you know when you're just trying to fit in. But at the same time, I kind of found my crew at the park, and I enjoyed it too much to worry about what my classmates thought of
0: it. So those were your boys. What, what, what was like? What kind of person were you in high school?
1: Uh, I was a good student. Like I was in the advanced classes. Nice. Um, I, I would have been considered a nerd, but because I skated, it was like double whammy of like you're a nerd and you're uncool because you skate. <laughs> yeah. So for the most part, I was just kind of a ghost through the hallways. Like I didn't really want to draw
2: any attention to myself because
1: it was never a good
2: thing. What, what was it like, you know, because you were pretty much professional by 15, right? Or 16?
1: Yeah, well, and, 14, but 14. again, that it was a different era. But it just yeah. meant that you moved up in, in competition classes. You didn't... No one was offering you a contract. Okay. There was not some great celebration. It was just more like, okay, you can't cruise in a, as an amateur anymore because you're winning all the events, so yeah. you have to turn pro. And, and so the way I turned pro was checking the box that said pro in the entry form to the next one <laughs> instead right. of the one that said amateur. Yeah. And that was it. That was the barrier. Yeah. That was it, yeah. And it was like no one, there was one guy
2: peering on my shoulder like, oh, and cool, you're pro. What was it like when you, you know, traveled to go to like a contest, win the contest, and then come back to high school? Like did you gain notoriety within Not like really school? Not I
1: really. Mean, a little bit because I was in Southern California, so there was some acceptance of it. You know, it was like more of a surf culture. Yeah um but for the most part no people didn't i some people knew that a skateboarder went to their school and maybe even some knew my name but they could not pick me up out a crowd No way
0: right were you beating pros like right away when you got on there
1: uh when i first turned pro i got fourth at the first event i went to nice yeah yeah i mean i well it didn't it like it wasn't always stellar but i did pretty well and was that the bones brigade uh, I was on the Bones Brigade at that time. Yeah,
0: nice. What's Stacy Peralta like for for the people who don't know? He directed Dogtown and or Dogtown and the Z Boys and the Bones Brigade yeah. documentary.
1: Uh he's awesome. He was. I mean, he was really the first person that recognized my my skills and my ambition when most people thought it was I was kind of a joke because I was really scrawny as a kid, and so when I was skating, I had a really strange style, but. I had been creating all these different tricks and I was learning tricks and he was one of the first persons to see me and and say like, Hey, you know, just kind of inquire about what I was doing and, and about a a possible sponsorship. And that was kind of a shock to my peers because it was like him, you're going to sponsor him. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and I was intimidated as well because it was already like Steve Caballero, Mike McGill, Rodney Mullen. Like those guys were on the team.
0: Yeah. Rodney Mullen, interesting guy.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a genius.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he yes. Yeah.
1: He's a genius physically and mentally.
0: I heard him at the beginning of Bones Brigade. He like describes himself as a child. He's like, I didn't know I was allowed to speak. I talked in whispers.
1: Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Well, was he had a pretty rough um, childhood. Yeah. Too, I don't mean to so, make fun right of it,
0: but it's like. Yeah. Uh, it, like the, it, his intensity, he was almost like a poet. The way he was talking.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, he really is like on a different level of, of intelligence. What was it like when you guys were just kicking it like on tour together, with, or with all those? guys? I think he and I connected the most because um, we were both pretty nerdy in that sense, like mm-hmm. in terms of schooling and and interests. But also, he and I were creating tricks, and we didn't really have any other any other peers to bounce stuff off of because we were just sort of doing these things and no one either they couldn't or they didn't care to, to try the things we were trying. And so he and I would bounce ideas off each other, even though he was doing stuff on the flat, which is freestyle. And I was doing stuff in the pools, in the air. We both had different ideas of what's possible in those realms. And so he and I would sort of share, share inspiration. Well, that's cool. So for instance, I created the the airwalk move which is taking both feet off yeah. of your board in the air. He figured out how to do that on the ground to Ollie up, grab his nose and kick both of his feet out. Wow. And that was because I learned that in the pools. And then he used to do a trick where he would flip his board with his fingers. This is before kickflips were invented. And so you'd have to do it with your hand. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out how to do that in the air in the pool. So directly flip. from Rodney that's the finger flip finger flip yeah wow
0: so you guys were like creating a skating language together basically
1: kind of yeah but but really (laughs) we didn't know to what audience we just loved doing it Mm -hmm. you know it was it was was very it it was very little appreciation at the time
0: well yeah because then it was pretty popular for a a while then it plummeted for a bit right right but that's i I think that's the
1: thing that that the isolating part of that was that skateboarding was this super got really small the, the community was very small, and then, for someone like me, I was an outcast of that community because of the way I skated mm. so it was very isolating what, you know? what
0: made you an outcast
1: because they, they i wasn 't doing the cool like i wasn 't doing the big aerials and the big slash grinds like the you know the surfer dudes, I was just doing these tricks, and they just thought I was a robot. Mm. And so they used to call me that. They used to call me circus skater and just like a robot. And so... Were you able was, to detach from that
0: stuff? I mean, throughout your career when like
1: you got through It was more that I had a couple friends that that had the same sort of vibe and I just relied on them That's for awesome. validation and, and for support because the the world of skating was kind of older at the time too. So it was super intimidating. And, and if you weren't cool, you're just out.
2: So in the 90s, it sort of went through a little bit of a lull. Uh, what was sort of your mindset going through that point of how to overcome that? Or did you were you just going to stick with skating no matter what?
1: Um, well, I always knew I wanted to keep skating. I didn't know if it was possible to do it for a living, yeah. especially in the early 90s. Um, I did whatever I could to make it work. I mean, I was taking the most odd jobs as a skater. Like one time I was a consultant for of commercial where they had skaters, but they were younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, another time I uh, I did demos in Six Flags parking lots on a vert ramp three a day for a hundred bucks hmm. but you know it made like I paid the bills yeah, yeah. and it, it made it work and it made me it allowed me to keep skating yeah um, and I kind of navigated that as best I could, you know, went on a severe budget for my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it was like Taco Bell, like $5 Taco, Taco Bell. Taco Top Ramen, like every yeah. day.
0: What were your parents and like GF saying at the time?
1: My parents were supportive. I mean, it was it was hard for them to see my income shrinking so drastically because my income was, was basically being cut in half every month because it was all royalty based. So people weren't buying as many shoes. People weren't buying as many skateboards. Um, the truck company couldn't afford the salary they, they were giving you. And then, you know, I just watched my, watched my income dwindle. Um, so they were concerned just because at that point in my life, I had two mortgages. I had a son on the way and it was like, what, the, what the hell are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are you doing? Like you, you're going to find a job. Um, and I did actually at that time borrow money from my parents to buy editing equipment because I knew how to do uh video editing and this is all before computers. So everything was like taped to tape. Um, and I, I knew enough about that to get freelance work doing that. So I actually did that for almost a year um, on top of skating. And I was doing so, I was putting videos together for different companies, um, including skate companies and one video game company, ironically. And uh, eventually I took the equity out of my house and started a skateboard company because. I thought that was my transition from being a pro skater to someone behind the scenes and it allowed me to stay in the skate industry and I had a good eye for talent so I could put together a really good team. Did you get that from Stacy,
0: or did you kind of always... I, yeah, that absolutely. Kind of... I
1: mean, that, he, was the, he was the catalyst because that's what he did. He was a pro skater. He teamed up with George Powell, started Powell Peralta, found his own team and then did it. So uh, we were just... I was just going through the same cycle. Um, but... The hard thing was is that skating was so small, so it was very risky to start a skate company at the time. But I saw that skating had come through so many cycles of popularity before that that it was sort of due for an upswing, and, and I wanted to to
2: be in the right place at the right time. Did you take the time to learn about business, or did you just partner up with someone who sort of had that expertise
1: who also um, put in his money he was an ex-pro skater but he had a business degree
2: yeah so i trusted him to do
1: most of that um like the paperwork and the you know the business plan and things like that but i definitely dove in and learned a lot of it because i felt like i should i you know i couldn't just be clueless all that stuff yeah you're like a super smart dude (laughs) <laughs> I, well it was it was not something I was really interested in though you know what I mean I didn't but you know how to know edit about your like, purchase your orders and AP classes and net stuff net sales and, and um, all that kind of stuff but at the same time there were only uh, there were three of us originally of, of for Birdhouse so I had, wow we were all doing everything I did all the ads I did all the videos I was doing all the tours I was lining up every single thing graphics it, it, it was crazy
0: that's awesome Do- who do you think is the smartest person who ever lived?
1: <laughs> how? I have no idea. How could that? How could anyone answer that?
0: It's tough, but I'm always curious what people think.
1: Well, I mean, or the, how they answer. I guess I feel is like the default me. design sign, right? Because he beast mode. Yeah. Yeah. He showed us the theory of relativity and studied um, what we couldn't see. What's yeah. that?
0: He like showed us what we couldn't see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Or Stephen Hawking who kind of explain time and space. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I gleaned from Stephen Hawking is that the, the fourth dimension is time. And I, and I think I never really understood that until I read his book and he made it oh, clear. Oh, that's interesting. Time is crazy. I mean, yeah. that's a very
0: easy thing to say. But I mean, like, I think it's the most precious thing. And then also the way that we just have to move through it. We're just all fixed. You know what I mean? We don't have much choice. Yeah, you
1: kind of get stuck in a rut too. How do you mean? I don't know. You get you get into a routine, and all of a sudden, times is gone. Because it's like, oh, I did the same exact thing over and over and over and over until yeah, right. I got old,
0: but your life is <laughs> but your life is so diverse too, and and your experiences. It is, right? yeah.
1: I, I definitely I like to break out of my comfort zone, and that's something I learned probably through the more difficult years, where I was just like, I have to embrace all these different things because I don't know what is going to work, and and I don't know what is the future for me, and I can't just stay in my mode of. I skate and I learn tricks and I get videos and this is and I make products. Like I had to really figure out that that you've got to expand your possibilities and you've got to embrace new challenges. Did you party? Um, Not extensively. I I definitely went through. You know, we were young and skating was popular, and we were. Whatever, for lack of a better word, superstars in that area and in that world, and we were in we were in our late teens, so it was like, yeah, it's a party, but but I saw enough of my friends party so much that it affected their abilities, and that stuck with me. I was like, I can't. I, I have to skate. I know what got me here. I know why
2: I'm here. Uh, skating is the priority for sure. Did you ever like wrestle with the temptation? Like was it hard to resist or you kind of had that Sometimes clear it was hard. mindset? It, got,
1: it honestly got harder into my uh, older years because that's when things really skyrocketed in terms of popularity. And and my, some of my injuries were a lot more severe. And so, you know, painkillers and all that stuff, like that that stuff is just seeps into your it becomes addictive so right, quickly right you yeah even though you don't have any intention of ever you know it's not like oh i want those pills cuz it's making me feel good it's more like i need those pills for this pain mm-hmm. and then suddenly you're like i don't need the pills for the pain i just need them mm-hmm. right and that's when it starts to get hazy and that's when you don't you know you don't realize that suddenly you're 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 part of the opioid problem yeah um and definitely i went through a small phase of that where I had to make a very distinct uh, realization that like, I don't need these. I'm just doing these because it's making me numb to everything else. Hmm. And you're running a huge enterprise at the same time too. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you're kind of it's, doing it's great. Totally. It's totally self-defeating. It's, it's absolutely, you know, the, it's, it's because you don't want to deal with things that are uncomfortable. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. You don't want to come out of your you don't want to deal with reality. And, um, and so you just end up sort of being numb
2: to the world through, through those alternatives. Do you view skating as sort of a drug? Like it's sort of that the adrenaline rush and stuff. That's sort of your drug in life.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that once I figured out that I could be creative in skating and and be innovative, that became the buzz that I would always go after. And, and definitely you have to have something to replace that at some point in your life because yeah. it's not going to last forever. And and that was probably the struggle that I had in terms of when my pro career, you know, sort of apexed and it was like, well, what is next and what is going to give me that fulfillment? And, and um, I had to really figure that out. And it's that, definitely my family. And that's, that's you know, what I've come to hold as the most important thing in my life and is, is what the very first thought I have when making decisions of things to do. How many kids do you have? Uh, I have four of my own kids and then I have two stepkids, but, um, three are now in college. Uh, so we did that. That worked. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> success. Nice. Uh, and then one is my oldest son. Riley is actually like, he is a musician. He's a pro skater. He owns a coffee shop. He's in New York modeling for rag and bone right now. Like nice. he's, He's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the th- three of the boys are in college. One more is going to graduate in a couple years of high school. And then my daughter is, um, uh, she's the only girl. She's 11. Do they think you're cool? Um, that's a good question. I feel like you have so much evidence you could show. I, them. I, I, yeah. But also I, I definitely am the one to, you know, have to put the rules out there. Right. um, and the one to answer to if something is, is troubling them. You're yeah, the
0: taskmaster but, of the.
1: Am I? Yeah, I think that when I'm there and when we get to do stuff, it's cool. I think that, that my schedule and the time away from them gets hard for all of us. And so that would be probably the time when they think I'm not so cool. Right. You know, and I don't, I'm not frivolous with my time or with what I choose to do. Like I used to, yeah, and I used to be in a worse shape where I'm like, "Yeah, movie premiere, sure, let's go." Oh, trip to Italy for your charity event, of course, I'm going to go do that. You know, and now I I realize that that stuff is not important. The importance is, is to really be present for your kids, and mm. so they know that if I'm
2: gone now, it is something that is high priority. High priority. Were you worried about your son pursuing a career in skating? Because um, I, I feel like in Hollywood, like some actors are worried about their kids, like. Going I wasn't route.
1: only because he was so advanced when he was young. Yeah, and it wasn't any sort of nepotism. It was like Riley can do these giant crazy tricks at age eleven, mm-hmm. um, and it's not because yeah,
0: it's not like a job where you I can hide. Give like, him it's an advantage or anything. if you yes, can do yeah. it or not. Like
1: People are snowed by his name. Yeah, and if anything, he had to he had to prove himself even further. Yeah, because yeah, because they thought he did have some sort of favoritism, and so. Um, I wasn't I what worried me more was that I, I did see him start to shy away from skating around age 12 13 because he did feel those pressures mm-hmm. and he felt that that attention and, and he didn't like it and so he kind of pulled away from skating um, but he kind of found it again because a lot of his close friends had been skating all those years and they found their own little crew and their own style of skating they called themselves the Shep dogs and started making their own videos, and suddenly he was his own skater in terms of his style and his his um, terrain. So he, you know he's not skating half pipes, he's not doing McTwists and stuff like that. He was just doing street stuff, and so in that way he forged his own path, and um, people recognized it. And eventually he got a whole set of sponsors that had nothing to do with me, and that you know if anything that
2: shows that. He he has the acceptance and the validation. So uh, it's sort of a core thing for you is that you, you should do things that you love to do, or sort of find your own. Like it seems like with skating or with anything you do, it's sort of you're when you're in this mode of like creation or doing the things that you really want to do. That's when you found the most success. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think it's just more that. <sighs> I felt happiest when I was doing what I loved, even if it was for no money. Yeah. And so, in those, in those more difficult years financially, I don't think of those as strife or struggle. Like, for me, I was still getting to do what I loved for a living. I didn't get to stay in the nicest places. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to buy the fancy cars, but I went to work happy. And so I think that's probably the 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 message that I try to leave with people is that if you really are doing what you love, you're going to just enjoy working. Yeah, and and that's far more important than going to a job you hate just to make a bunch of money. Do you ever think what would have happened though if like the X Games didn't happen or something
0: like that? Like if I guess you kind of trusted that skating would come back because you had seen the like you mentioned the rise. Yeah, I don't really.
1: I I mean, there was definitely a, a perfect storm of different. Influences and opportunities around the time when the X Games started that that all helped to to uh, to raise the profile of skating. So, right,
0: but it wasn't necessarily just the X Games. It was like no, I mean that definitely helped that they
1: helped put it on the map. I think our video game came in just as X Games was coming in, and then that was sort of the tipping point yeah. where skating went into a popularity that we had never seen. Um, but yeah, there there, but also. <clears throat> With or without X Games, I I always felt like skating spoke to a younger generation where it's it's exciting, it's daredevil, it's individual pursuit, it's artistic, it's creative, and I always wonder like why don't why doesn't the general public see that? Especially when I was young and, and when skating was so chastised, and I was like, why don't they see that this is super cool? And we don't have to follow any rules, and we you know you, you can do stuff that's Crazy looking and 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 self fulfilling, um, but it was just all it was all ball sports. You know, it was all yeah. baseball, basketball, um, soccer, football. Like that was it, dude. It's live in West Hollywood. Like there's just kids skating everywhere. Just skater kids. Oh, it's just
0: everywhere. part of it. It's just. I kind of don't like them. I'm like an old man now. I'm like Get off my block, <laughs> yeah. dude. But
1: yeah, well, I think I think some are a little more uh, gregarious with right. where they skate and, and what danger they put pedestrians in. So I agree with you there. But and um, they just give me a vibe like, like you're not one of us. Yeah, yeah. Maybe well, I'm well that, I think that. that's yeah. that's the strange shift now is that the skaters are the cool kids at school, right? Mm-hmm. And that just was not the. And, and it's hard. It's so hard. They've if you all got tell great hair. Kids, like kids today, where I'm like, you don't understand. I had to hide my skateboard at school. It was the furthest thing from cool. Like I used to get picked up by jocks and swung around while I was walking to class. So when you see skater kids now, do
0: you just go, "You're welcome"? No. <laughs> you see a skater kid with like a hot girl. No, if anything,
1: like, it gives me more perspective. Like, don't, don't, don't take think it you're for too granted. cool. Yeah. Right because everything could turn again right that, it could be rollerblades tomorrow, yeah treat the, everyone with respect that's yeah. all i gotta say
2: that, that's what pulled me towards action sports kind of was like oh i, I can be cool a little bit yeah you me know? too i was into, i yeah. sucked
1: but i was into dirt
0: biking and it was like i'd watch those videos and like in between them like doing like you know backflips was them like partying yeah. with girls and like you know, a lot of those videos are about the lifestyle and i was like this is awesome yeah, yeah. Re- and watching
1: the next daredevil games, lifestyle
2: there's something i always love that's so random but the mountain dew helmet i forget who had it but i was like I want that helmet so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Some of the Mountain Dew riders, they all wear that, yeah. Yeah, it's not about the style and just like, I just love Mountain Dew. Wait, so. ask him
0: about a about Jake Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So one of the most memorable moments for us is the Jake Brown fall and you were commentating on that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was your sort of uh, going on in your head when you first saw it? Like, did you think he was a goner or like, and how did you want to handle that?
1: Um, oh, I, 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 well, no, I can't say I thought he was dead. Yeah. No, I, I I knew it was bad, and I knew, and I didn't. I didn't know if he'd wake up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In that moment, right? Um, Sorry, I don't mean to laugh either. Oh, and we said, had never. I mean, it was heavy. Like I. Yeah. But, but it was it was a weird time because we, I had just started doing commentary around that time. Yeah. We we were not prepped, or did anyone tell us what happens if there's a heavy injury? Yeah. You know there are there are pro, there is protocol that comes with that, with being an announcer, that you're supposed to follow. Yeah. And we had no training in that. Yeah. And so, a lot, I got a lot of heat because he was laying there and I, and I said something like, I can't believe you made that 720. And that was true. Like, uh, he had never made that trick before. The, the trick they did across the gap, yeah. he'd never done it before. So he made it and because he was trying to recover on the way up the ramp is what Launched him, him out. Flying out. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I got a lot of heat after that. Like, like why would you say that? I was like, I'm trying to fill dead air. Yeah. While you're seeing this lifeless dude on the ground, like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And you're trying to be nice to him. You're giving him like credit for his accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was just a weird like I, I, that. Still kind of haunts me that that people think that somehow I was being. Oh, really? about no, it. No, not like, at all. Yeah. I was it like, felt. I, like, like, I don't know what to say. Like it was it was frightening. Yeah. yeah it felt like and you didn't were know what live. To yeah. And, you know, and no one is telling in our ears saying yeah. what do we do. And so it was like, and then he got up, which was also insane because any modern uh, medical expert will say, (laughs) stay down, get someone up. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great part about the culture of the sport. Destroy their body, yeah. But it was, but we everything was the Wild West. I mean, that was it. Like with the skating, there were no rules. We didn't have paramedics ever. Yeah. For any event, so the paramedics that were there were. Not the most highly trained, more like skater friends. Yeah, they had a degree. that were like, yeah. Cool, Sal is we'll like
0: they're the best medical staff in the business, and I was a little skeptical. I was like, are they the best?
1: Yeah, I mean, but, just, but you know. also, but but there's something to be said for Jake Brown. Is he's so stubborn and determined? He may not let anyone, right? Yeah. keep him down. Dude, like that's I very likely. So I can't I can't blame them. But it was just such a heavy moment and um and then for him to walk away was absurd
2: yeah as i always wondered about that you know you're like doing commentary and you're on the mic and then you're like you're like what do i i would have panicked because i would have been yeah.
0: like i hope he's not
2: dead like i'm i got a problem with like
0: yeah i always say the worst thing i'm thinking so i'd be like please don't be hurt or dead jake yeah
1: i think the worst is that is that we cut to a commercial we cut to a commercial and we came back and he was still
2: laying there that was the hardest part, yeah, right? yeah and yeah. it was like oh we're back cool Thanks for putting us back on the air. My my parents were talking about that. They they like told me about it. They're like, do you hear about the Jake? Like so, that's how it widespread the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was like,
1: and you know what though, had a big impact. There was, the, I think, there was an important no pun intended shift of in mentality at that point because. Those guys have been toying with that ramp stuff for a long time, well, for a few years up to that point, mm-hmm. and they kept making them bigger, and right. they kept making them fast, like going higher and higher, and that was sort of the line of demarcation where it was like, this is too much. This is too big. It's too dangerous. The risk, risk factor is too high, and from that point on, they focus more on tricks at a manageable height, and, and the height is still huge. I mean, we're talking about like 15, 20 feet in the air. But they weren't going for the records anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think that that was important. Like, it had to happen. Totally. Yeah. And luckily, it was Jake that survived that, yeah. that incident. Yeah.
0: yeah, I remember, like, the crash reel about Kevin Pierce, the snowboarder, and, like, the same thing. Half-pipes keep getting bigger in snowboarding. Yeah. You know, how high they go sells more viewers or whatever. But it's just, like, at some point, you got to be responsible to the writers, right? You got to interfere yeah, and, and be but, like...
1: but obviously, there are different mindsets and people are going to go off and do their own thing and try to go higher and bigger and whatnot. Right. But I do feel like that moment was, you know, the, especially the ones, the pioneers of that movement were who were Bob Bernquist and um, Danny Way, they were both like, all right, let's just try to do tricks. Mm-hmm. Right. They got scared by what they created, like a noble or something. Well, like it was just kind of like, all right, that's the ceiling of height. That's all we need to go <laughs> right. at this point. We've
0: reached the human limit. We've
1: reached the limit and, and then they started doing tricks that had never been done because they realized like, we, we still have 10 to 15 feet of air to do all these tricks that we've never had before. So, you know, that around that time, like, Bob did a fakie to fakie 900. No one had ever done that. What Someone 90s? did a 1080.
0: Where, where do you get inspiration from, like, outside of skating? Like, do you ever get it, like, you see a movie or you listen to a song or, like, reading or, like, I just life experiences? I, uh, yeah, I don't
1: know. I, I'd say most of my, like, skate trick ideas come at moments of calm. Like, if I'm just falling asleep or... I have a moment of silence in my house somehow. And I think like I think about skating or I think about something I've been trying and I was like, Oh, what if this you know, twist this or do that? Um, it's it's usually just sort of my own private moments when I or, or if I'm I'm skating and something goes awry, like my board flips the wrong way and then it's like, Oh, what if I would have caught it and brought it back? Like sometimes they're just happy accidents.
2: Are you constantly thinking about skating? Like, are you unable to turn it off? Because, like, for comedy with us, where it's like the mindset. Yeah, it does consume me. Yeah, yeah, that you always have. Yeah,
1: and and it's weird now because, like I said, I'm I'm older and I, I know I'm not going to go break any records or anything, but um, but definitely there are things that I yeah that I think about where I go. Okay, next time I go skate, I'm going to go work on that. Yeah.
0: Who's your greatest rival?
1: I've never. I, I think, that, well, competitively through the years, there have been different sort of, I, I they're not even rivalries because we all skate together. And like I said, it's all this individual pursuit anyway. But, but through the heavy competitive years, for sure I was pitted against Christian Osoy in the 80s because Christian represented style and big airs and I represented tricks. And so it was like people had to choose their camp. Hmm. Um, and he was usually us first and second through those through like eighty four ish to eighty eight. And what
0: was your guys' relationship like?
1: We were fine. I mean we, we you know we enjoy I I respect his skating immensely. Like I wanted my backside to look like his. Right. Um but but definitely people had to choose. And then and then this started to be like this thing where he represented certain types of uh like certain products or, or he represented NorCal and I represented uh, yeah. Southern California. It a NorCal SoCal thing, I remember that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He was from LA. <laughs> <laughs> but because his sponsors were more in Northern California, Traited, centered, they were like, Yeah, yeah. well, he was indie, he was indie, indie, okay, okay, and yeah, so yeah. anyway, that happened. And then, and then through the X Games years, it was more like me and Danny Way or me and Andy McDonald because we were usually on the top from the vert yeah. standings.
0: McDonald always wore yellow, was that? Yeah, his thing? yeah, yeah, I remember that still. Yeah. Oh, he still rocks yellow all the time?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's
1: got like a Steve
0: Jobs specificity to (laughs) work Yeah. That's what's up.
2: Do you ever have moments where you sort of psych yourself? Because skating is such an incredible thing and it's so advanced. Do you ever like psych yourself out where you're like, wait a second, how do I do this again? You know what I mean? Because like with comedy i will be like, Uh, am I supposed to make these people laugh? How the fuck? Yeah, we're both dealing
0: with that. Like, when we have shows, like, we had a show in San Francisco on Saturday, and like a ton of people showed up to see us, and me and Chad were just like, are we sure they came to see us? Like, are (laughs) Are we (laughs) going to
2: do this? How how do we make them laugh again? I think
1: my my experiences (laughs) with that have been when I set out to do something new that there's like a new type of ramp, Mm -hmm. and I commissioned to have some ramp built. Like, for instance, the first time I ever did a full loop ramp. Um, no one had actually done it. And so I had one built and I actually, I, the funny thing is it was at a time when skating was kind of in a lull. So I had to pay for the building of it, even though Airwalk, my sponsor said they were going to pay for it and driving up to it and seeing this monstrosity of a loop, you know, like a Hot Wheels track that's 14 feet tall and thinking, it's on me. Yeah, yeah. No, no one is coming to help. No one else is like. It's not a. It's not some team effort, right? Yeah. Right. It's like, how are you going to figure that out? And then everyone's <laughs> staring at me when I drive up. Like,
2: I don't know. Good luck with that. <laughs> like I wasn't serious. <laughs>
1: I, I have those moments all
2: the time. Yeah. Like
0: where if I'm like the most mature man on like a bus or something like that, I'll be like, oh, if something goes wrong on the bus, it kind of. I'm I'm looking around. I'm like <laughs> yeah. I'm always like worried about crisis. I'm like, who can I turn to to like help? And then I look around. I'm like. I guess it's me, dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it's in a, in a case like that, it's like no one else even wants to try it. And so I have to overcome this all these doubts and even the fear of seeing it and just think like I decided this is possible. I have to figure it out and it's going to be hard. Um and it was. I mean, I got I got rocked a couple times doing the loop, but I figured it out.
2: How long did it take you to first attempt it? Like did you just go for it or did you sort of think um, about it for a while?
1: I, I went for it. I put I put some. Luckily, we were near a YMCA and they had gymnastics mats. Okay. So we just sort of stacked gymnastics mats in it, and um, I ended up just sort of crashing into the wall as it went over vert and then falling into the mats. Mm-hmm. So um, the hardest thing about the loop, it it it's not that it's that it's particularly hard. You have to change your mindset into it not being a trick. Because it's just a carve, okay. As it, in the simplest terms, and so you can't change your body positioning. You can't pump the way that you pump a half pipe, because that sort of your pump is over after you know one quarter of a radius. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out how to sort of hold the pump all the way through until you reach the ground again. It's hard to explain, yeah, but it's very subtle and it's it's almost impossible to change your thinking in those terms if you've only ever ridden half pipes
0: does does the notion of being first motivate you like you're like like with the 900 or with the loop the fact um, that you're kind of in
1: like uncharted sure, I territory i think it's, it's more about being unique i think that yeah i wanted to do it sure i would have loved to but but it was more like no one was thinking about doing that so it wasn't like some race to figure this out right it was more like oh that's something different i think i can do it Let's them have that build. Right. It wasn't like a bunch of people were like, "We gotta do the loop. Go build a loop. I'm doing it first. You know, it wasn't like that at all. Right. Um, with the nine hundred, it was a little different because the, there were a handful of us that were trying it through the years, and yeah, any of us wanted to be first. But for the most part, we had all been trying it for so long. It was like we just wanted someone to finally do it because it was like, it was eating us up. You know, we uh, the first the first time I ever tried it was in 1986. And I just landed on my back. And then Danny Way was in a video called Risk It and he actually put it on the wall in 1989. He didn't make it. They cut the video like right when you put it on the wall. But that showed it, like that was a breakthrough for us because that showed us that it's possible. And then a handful of us were trying it through those years like mid-90s. Yeah, basically mid-90s. And whatever. There's a lot of folklore and false narratives about how, how I came to do it. But... We were all trying it together. We they had many best trick events leading up to the X Games. You know what I mean? Like there, there's yeah. there's this whole story that was like, I was spying on someone to figure out how to do it. And it was like, dude, I but we all were trying it at every best trick. Yeah, event. like there was no secrets. Yeah,
2: right. Um, did you ever did you ever beef with rollerbladers? Like at the skate park, I, I tried rollerblading for a year because I was inspired by Brink. I, I really related to the front guy, and the skaters. Every time I would try and rollerblade, they would just like, they'd be like, "You better not drop in on this ramp, like this is the." Yeah,
1: I didn't fall into that just because I came from an era of of being ridiculed just for skating. Yeah, Um, and honestly, in those years of rollerblading's, you know, height Mm -hmm. that allowed more skate parks to exist. Yeah. Because skating, skateboarding was kind of dying. It was, it was in a very low in popularity, and because rollerblading came in, skate parks stayed open, and built ramps, and so that benefited us. It benefited mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, whatever gets you active, I don't care. Yeah, you know, right. like it didn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, so no, I didn't. But but like I said, I came from a different generation, and I was doing demos with like I was the special guest at rollerblade demos. Okay. So it was like Team Rollerblade and Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah. that's cool did you ever think how well your name suits what you're doing oh, yeah <laughs> it didn't feel like that when I was in high school and they called me bony cock so <laughs> not
0: really man kids are vicious they, they can come oh, up with yeah. a nickname for anybody oh, yeah. very quickly
2: yeah and then you, you have the Tony Hawk Foundation. How many skate parks have you built around? The, yeah. Um, is, it, is it international now or is it just within the U.S.? Uh,
1: we have an international outreach program, but mostly in the U.S. Uh, we've been going for 17 years now and helped to fund, um, I think, over 800 parks at this point. That's awesome. Um, and those are mostly in the U.S. We do have an international outreach program with Skatistan, and so we help to fund their projects in um, South Africa Cambodia and Afghanistan
3: hmm. whoa
1: and one in Jordan coming up too. wow they're building one in Jordan so um, yeah we trust their their model and their projects and if anyone wants to do stuff internationally with us we will give them uh, advice and resources but we don't give funding because we'd have to be established in those
2: countries gotcha okay Guys, I'm going to interrupt this podcast to remind you that we are brought to you by Scentbird, our dogs at Scentbird. Guys, have you ever had someone come up to you and say, wow, you smell amazing. What cologne are you wearing? I know I have because now I'm using Scentbird. And whatever scent you may be wearing, you, ha- you have good taste and you know what you like. But your great taste is also expensive and you end up with a shelf full of half-used bottles. I can't tell you how many Abercrombie Fierce bottles I have just laying around. It's messed up, but not anymore, because with Scentbird, I found a great way to have great taste without breaking the bank, whether it's Versace, Gucci, or Dolce & Gabbana. Scentbird.com keeps me smelling good month after month. And um, I love the Eau de Toilette. That's my favorite one, guys. Check it out. Fun Eau, say. Eau de Toilette. Eau de Toilette. de Toilette. What does toilet mean in French? Does it mean toilet? No, I think it means to a toil sexily
0: <sighs> legit it's
2: kind of just um, hang
0: around in a enticing way
2: yeah guys scentbird has more than 450 designer brands for you to choose a cologne perfume from each month that's i'm talking gucci tom ford kenneth Cole, burberry prada and more you'll get a 30 day supply that's 120 sprays enough to apply more than four times daily for a month um and with an exclusive offer just for our listeners you can get 50 percent off your first month today that's only seven dollars and 50 cents for your first fragrance go to scentbird.com slash deep and use my code deep for 50 percent off your first month again that's s-c-e-n-t bird.com slash deep for you to try your first culinary perfume for seven dollars and 50 cents sign on and smell amazing guys we're also brought to you by manscaped manscaped what up uh jt have you been manscaping
0: uh i haven't but i've been looking at your section and it's freaking nice
2: dude thanks dude yeah i showed him my uh uh i did a run through with the lawnmower 2.0 showed jt and uh yeah maybe weird to show your buddy your pubes but you know what he was impressed yeah because i got to see the before and after and it was like already solid but then it was like spectacular dude so solid so solid and um Guys, I mean, this takes away the fear of, like, cutting your nuts. You know, you're going to keep your trims pubed. Um, and you're going to really just have a safe, fun time manscaping your ball region, which is legit, okay? We got the perfect package 2.0 kit that features the lawnmower 2.0 skin-safe technology. 100% waterproof. Don't use the same trim on your face that you use on your balls because you're going to get ball sweat on your face. And I don't think that's proven yet to be anti-aging. So get 20% off, free shipping, and a free travel bag with code DEEP at manscape.com.
0: What up, Lords of Stoketown? This is for JT specifically. I got a dilemma in my hands, if you know what I mean. I'm trying to stop watching porn so that the only things I do with my dong are dropping it, draining the lizard, and introducing it to honeys. What's some advice you charismatic Carvaggio have on ways to wean yourself off of adult entertainment? I may a porn addict, so I don't watch it anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, wow, um... What can I say? I think you just have to realize you're stuck in a cycle and that it's not giving you any true enjoyment. You're just doing it because you don't know how else to break out. And so I think that if you consider that you're really not doing it for pleasure, you're just doing it because you have this addiction. That's probably the the best on the surface explanation. I don't know what, you know, I, I'm not, I can't say that I know about support groups or anything like that, but there are, they exist for they're sure. There.
0: Yeah, I go to them, they're, they're solid. Yeah. yeah for
1: sure um yeah i mean i i i guess that's the thing is that you just got to realize that you're you're trying to assuade some pain in your life through that distraction where it's going to be easier to just deal with reality and to to deal with whatever uncomfortable situations you're avoiding by just sitting around watching porn cuz it's such a waste of time mm-hmm. i think that's the that's yeah. the thing is you, if you really think about how much time you've wasted doing that that's when it can hit you. That's crazy. Yeah. They had to put it like that. <laughs> like,
2: I, got yeah, like, couple, wait, that? I got a
1: couple
0: wait I got a couple of great American novels I just yeah. fucking lost to my hand. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I could uh there's uh, videos on YouTube, you know, about like the negative effects too, or and then also it's inspiring like celebrities who abstained. Yeah. Like Mike Tyson or Jim Carrey, they always say that. That always inspires me to stay away. Then that's a big range of dudes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I. But
1: also, you know, I, I also feel like I, I wouldn't just abolish porn per se. Like maybe that. You know. No, there, some people there can. Is, it's yeah, solid there could be people. a healthy relationship yeah, yeah. with it. Yeah. The,
2: um, yeah. The thing
1: that concerns me more about having young kids and having yeah. porn so available to them is that it gives them a false sense of how to treat someone else. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's important. Like you, you know, my man. Yeah, it should be a, a a mutual experience, and you should be really catering to someone else as well as them catering to you. And yeah, and so much of the porn is like just for the dude.
0: Yeah, it's like watching like a getaway driver and be like, oh, that's how I'm gonna drive like a car or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And and if you get in a real life situation, girls be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, and dude, dude like a couple <laughs> I'm not your puppet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a couple of practical steps
0: too. Or uh, I have Chad has um. The password for my phone, so it has parental restrictions on it, so I just don't even have access to it. And then on my computer, I have Net Nanny, and so I can't look at it anywhere. And yeah,
1: well, I guess those are those are strong
2: deterrents. versions of yeah, yeah. Yeah, And I forgot the password. I do
1: worry about like I don't want to tell
0: everybody to like get off porn because I really still. Uh, respect the porn stars I used to watch, and I want them to be able to make uh, a solid. <laughs> wow, that's living.
1: a really interesting
2: uh, angle on that.
0: I can't watch it anymore, but you know, I hope you guys. I are still all want doing them well. to
2: have healthy lives and to yeah, be employed he, for he's, sure. He's well aware of their bios and their full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wow, um, everything. I'm a nerd.
0: Uh, what up, Chad? <laughs> what up, JT? I come to you seeking major advice. I have this longtime best friend who I hang out with and party with almost on the daily. Who has a, He has a sister who is one year younger than him. Who always has had interest in me. Obviously, I never entertain the thought because she's my best friend's sister but over the past year puberty hit her like a truck and in an incredibly good way she's a betty and now more than ever she's been hitting me up and extremely open about wanting to hook up the whole squad is interested and wants to take a dive but i am considered the ringleader so i feel obligated to do so first a little weird there the devil is tempting yeah, they me. Kind of took a turn. Yeah, but here's the major problem. My bro goes absolutely ape shit if anyone so much mutters her name, even if it's a positive thing. I've told her how I can't do that to my best friend, but she's starting to become irresistible and frequent in her attempts to seduce me. I need guidance to pursue, to safely pursue this matter. Sincerely.
1: Well, the whole idea that that there's a group of you trying to pursue that is and you're the leader that that's a weird angle on that that's that's a more that's more disconcerting than a lot of ego in that yeah that's more disconcerting than just uh well it's my best friend's sister yeah um which by and far is going to complicate things no matter what Mm -hmm. even if you do or you don't that's going to be complicated um so either don't or have a genuine heart-to-heart conversation with your friend like, hey, your sister and I are really interested in each other and and you know, have that uncomfortable conversation.
2: And make sure if you do want to pursue her, to like make sure that's what you really want instead of being like Yeah, the, not because, the leader of this because team. You're, like, yeah, you're the
0: chosen one. Yeah. From your group. <laughs> I mean, not like Kobe where it's like I eat first when he's like playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. It's like these are like people we're talking about he talks to his friends like look i'm the head of the team so we vote you
2: the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah what's look, happen. the guys need
0: me to do this yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right i gotta right. set the tempo i've been voting. Yeah, I, I,
1: I guess the worst thing you do is is to, to do it without the knowledge of your friend because he's definitely going to find out and it's going to blow things up. Good I had a call. I, I had a Good friend call. who wanted
0: to hook up with another friend's sister and I was like I knew he didn't really care about the girl that much but I mean they were both like adults and I was like I was like dude don't do it don't do it. And then he was like I'm going to do it and I was like well then I'm going to hook up with your sister and he was like I don't care. And I was like all right well as long as you're like not being hypocritical in your pursuit
1: you know what I mean <laughs> that's
0: like, a litmus test. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, obviously if you're going to date this person and it's your friend's sister, you got to be extra careful and, and really like her if you're going to pursue it. Like, maybe with the intention of dating.
2: With for the sure. intention of dating.
0: For sure. A soft pedal it sometimes. All right. Dear dudes, the, girls I'm, the girl I'm talking to now is someone that I've been on and off with for years. And even though we're currently talking again, her parental units absolutely hate me. What are some ways I can raise their stoke and help them learn to like me again?
1: It, well, he doesn't give any insight as to why, why he, uh, they don't like him. So I would say <laughs> be respectful to them. <laughs> Um, be uh, productive (laughs) right have a
0: good life that you can talk about yeah yeah. Yeah. like
1: have a have a life that you are proud of and so that you're likely to present it as such I don't know that's a pretty lofty request to not have any background this is from the movie Summer Catch but mow their lawn like if you just volunteer, yeah, but that turns into sort of an Eddie Haskell thing. Um, right. That's my era, where no, it's I get like it. Yeah, You're just to playing to the, but maybe you're not really that person. You're presenting yourself to be
0: right. Mm. But if you do it every day for a summer, like it's going to be hard to discount.
2: Okay, well, may, man, that's one. That's one approach. Well, we should find out if he really likes mowing lawns. So then, if he's actually into it, are, are your are your kids dating? Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: are you like the older
0: when, ones when they bring over a person? Are are you tough?
1: No, I'm not tough. I mean, I, I'm approachable, and I try to be, I guess, for better lack of a better term, liberal to open ideas and and right. you know their ages and what they're really going through, and not be in denial of that kind of stuff. Like my parents were, I, I'm just trying to get to know them and, and to to make sure that they have a healthy approach to their relationship. Because you know, with my older son, like he's he's has more complications with women who are adults and, and you know, there's a lot of things that go with that. And, and I've actually had better conversations with him in his later years mm-hmm. now than I did before. Because For sure. it's like this, these are real life challenges. These are things you have to push through if you want to maintain an intimate relationship. And, you know, on the surface, that stuff seems super easy when you're young and whatnot. And mm-hmm. and now, you know, he has a better understanding of why, so my relationships fell apart and why I went through all this journey and whatnot.
2: Did did you find it difficult with like skating and stuff to that, that sort of life to,
1: um, that was part of it. But, but I think I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared emotionally to, to have true intimacy in my early years. I wasn't raised like that. My parents were not that warm like that. You know, it wasn't a house if I love you and that's that kind of stuff. So I didn't learn. And my parents didn't, they got along, but you know, it wasn't true loving relationship. And so I just didn't learn that stuff. So I had to learn that later in, in, in the hardest
2: ways. Whoa. I feel that sometimes like it was, there's like a disconnect in that from my parents. I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you, you have to, you have to learn to embrace those challenges and not be, not just distract yourself with something new or something else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to really be present and, 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 work through things because ultimately it's way more rewarding. I mean, I've, you know, I'm, I'm a little old to be figuring that out, but that is what I have found in the last, say like six to eight years where I, yeah. I realized that true intimacy is far more rewarding than glitz yeah. <laughs> than, than the new thing, the next thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. in intimacy, it's like, uh um, it requires so much vulnerability
1: and like, yeah, that too, and, and relinquishing and, you know, you control. got to to put yourself out there, but also the, at the same time, it you get it back,
2: and that is that's the best part. I'm learning about that how to be more vulnerable and honest, and I found it to be actually really fun. Because before I would have like a wall up, and yeah. I was like, and I was like, oh, vulnerability, like, ew, like, I'm just gonna be tan or whatever. But now I'm starting to be more honest and stuff, and I do find it to be a lot more fun. And life just is a little bit more and you're using enjoyable. all of yourself. Yeah. yeah, and the conversations are better. You know, I'm not like hiding something. It's more like uh, there's I can feel more of a connection. Yeah, yeah.
1: I definitely when you when you let go of hiding stuff, it's it's so liberating. Yeah, and suddenly it just feels like everything is more vibrant. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I had this big secret that I, I was a virgin until I was 24. And I thought I was gonna die never telling anyone that. <laughs> and then like I went to therapy and I unloaded it to my therapist. And it just felt like the weight of the world fell off my shoulders. I was like, I don't need to like put this burden on myself. You know, and nobody else really cared that much. Yeah. I mean, my boys obviously thought I was a little dorky, but <laughs> it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like damning. I was still they still liked me. Couldn't yeah. you use that to your advantage though? Where
1: you you put totally. it out there and you're like, I haven't, and people are like, all right. Yeah. yeah right. every,
0: then you're the focus of let's attention. figure this yeah, out like let's fix it yeah <laughs> alright what up guys so you a s- girl's bathroom yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. what up guys so I need some advice on how to relate with my coworkers you see I'm a full time PhD student and full time stoker but every time I, but every, but everyone I work with is a total nerd I mean real big time full on nerds who play Dungeons and Dragons every weekend night I have never even tried to chug and definitely don't pool. recently I had the honor of serving as a groomsman at my boys wedding in Texas to get the squad fired up um Basically, he meets a girl on a flight. They make out on the flight because he was wearing a funny cowboy hat. And uh, they have some double vodka sodas and he gets rubbed down. When he gets back to work on Monday, I was fired up to tell the story to all my coworkers. Upon hearing my story, which is objectively a major stoke factor, they were not fired up at all and actually appeared mad. Before I know it, I had five angry nerds scolding me for being disrespectful to the other people on my flight. I don't understand how I can continue working in this environment. Please help.
1: Um, how to continue working? Yeah, he, I. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, huh. uh, I I think he means just like how there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, how can he coexist with these dudes if he's got such better stories that they can't even like wrap their head around? It and- yeah,
1: I guess, but there's also there there are I mean, who knows if anyone even knew what was going on on the plane? I have a lot of questions. Yeah, i I'd, I'd say for this guy. I think I think maybe there is also the argument that they're projecting against him because mm-hmm. they wish that was sort of thing was For happening sure. to them. Right? Um, maybe maybe not. Maybe but maybe he left a detail in that was disrespectful. Right. About this girl. It's oh. an interesting question. The, like,
0: is his so version of lot, the email? There's a lot of facets to it. Right. Is his version of the email cutting out some details from the story that is what made it off putting to yeah, his coworkers? That is, that yeah, that could be disrespectful.
1: And, he, and in that case. More power to those guys for right.
2: setting them straight. He could just revel in the fact that he shares this enjoyment with his squad. Right. And so he can kind of be like, all right, sort of like what you're saying, how you found your crew. That just sounds like That's- such a teenage boy, like <laughs> fantasy brag thing.
0: There's a line in the <laughs> yeah. movie broadcast news where like William Hurt's talking to Albert Brooks and he's like, what do you do when your life exceeds your wildest dreams? And Albert Brooks looks at him and goes, you keep it to yourself.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call.
0: And, like, I mean, you dude, you had this great experience. The fact that they're not reveling in it with you, I mean, that is a little bit of a bummer. But I think you just got to accept that people live different lives and maybe they just can't wrap their
2: head around it. And I think he kind of wanted them to just tell him that he's awesome. Yeah, right. he was definitely they, doing right. it for, for yeah high fives. And they didn't yeah. do that, which isn't a cool <laughs> thing yeah. to do either. Yeah, you guys yeah. don't think I'm awesome? I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> See, that's the thing. is was the angle of is, is the angle more that I use this girl, or was it more yeah. like? No, we. This was mutual. Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe tell the story in a more romantic, yeah, beautiful yeah. way. And yeah. maybe now you will get a better. And we're getting response. married next week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, challenge yourself to tell the story better next time. Or to experience it better. And then you might get a better response.
1: Win the nerds over. A lot, a lot of ins and outs. A lot of what have you.
0: And then I proposed to her on the Brooklyn Bridge. Throw yeah. in some Dungeons and Dragons details. like. And then we went back to my oh, place dude, and yeah. played Dungeons wow. and Dragons. And then like,
1: now I dig <laughs> wow. it. Yeah,
2: I dress like a knight. All right,
0: just one or two more. How do you get the boys to Venmo you back for drink without sounding like a mega douche? Should you call them out if they keep doing it after you let it slide once? For a drink? yeah if like if your boys aren't paying you back after you 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 cop them some drinks
1: huh I guess you could well, I know how Venmo works, I guess maybe you could shame them on Venmo.
2: Oh, good call. <laughs> like, com- <laughs> by, yeah. By emojis. Yeah. Right? I like that. Because mm-hmm. it is its own social network of sorts. Yeah. You could comment on their, uh, if you see some transactions, be like, oh, you sent $10 to Matt? <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. Figures. Huh? Weird. You
0: got all these disposable funds. because yeah. I'm be getting
2: none of it, dude. Pizza with Shelly? Must
0: have been nice. And then also, I think you just stop getting them drinks. You know what I mean? If
1: they want yeah, another fully ticket, you're just like, once."
0: Yeah, you're like, nah, dude, that fund has been sealed. Like, uh, n- no help here. All right. Yo, big dogs. Want to congr- congr- congratulate you guys on an amazing podcast. I'm 17 years old, big leader in the community, love entrepreneurship, and our boy T Rob, and constantly think about starting businesses. For a while, though, I have had no spark at all for dating. Not gay, though. Okay. All of my dogs have girlfriends. What does that matter? Yeah. In the but, dating thing. I but I don't feel pressure to date because of them. I think I just need to be patient and find that beautiful angel. But my mind is just constantly on a rager. My question for you guys is simply, what do I do? How do I ignite that fire back into my heart for dating and meet beautiful girls? I'm tricky in that I want to have a girlfriend but have no spark. Thanks so much. You guys are a blessing.
1: What is? Do we define rager as someone that's going out and raging one night stands I or he just wants to party I think he just wants yeah. to party party. well I think maybe you've got to realize that your life could be more fulfilling with someone in it that you love that you can share your life with um, and that maybe you could also share in their life and provide things for them he's but, 17 too yeah well but I, I'm surprised that at 17 you lose interest in dating right yeah I mean, dating can mean all kinds of things. It doesn't mean you're stuck with one person. So um, just, I don't know, what, what can you say? Like, it, it's it, it's amazing out there. It's, um, you know, having relationships, even if you're gay, like it, to, to be sharing your life with someone else um, in the most smallest ways can be far more rewarding than just thinking you're okay on your own all the time for sure yeah
2: maybe he has a skewed idea of what dating is like or having a relationship is like because i feel like a lot of people might like shame it be like oh then you're like stuck you're like in like jail or whatever they don't really see the true benefits of it so maybe like what you're saying yeah well that's that's but
1: that harks back to you just have to embrace the intimacy of it yeah and if you're not embracing the intimacy of it, you're distracted and you're just looking for the next thing. Yeah. And then that's just the relationship killer. And sure. it seems like his
0: brain moves fast. You know, he's talking about entrepreneurship and starting different businesses. So he's obviously a little precocious and in, ahead of himself because he's 17. So I think dude, just uh, relax. Like you, you might have yeah, that, that spark that more than you
1: think. That can not benefit you in the end if you're only focused on a career. Cause that, that is another thing that will just kill a relationship. Like you're a workaholic and no time for anyone else and then when you do make time you don't really keep you don't keep your promises in that sense and then you go back to just working non-stop and and that's hard it's hard to keep that balance that's the biggest challenge of my life is is balancing my time so that I am present for my family but mm-hmm. I'm also effective in my job tony i
0: think that's a good place to uh to close it that yeah. was beautifully
1: All right, said cool. dude you've been yeah. awesome the whole time thank yeah, you so thank you. much thanks for, for coming
0: this. In. yeah sure. this was so thanks awesome thanks for coming
2: down to my ramp yeah.
0: Guys, it it's awesome.
2: Guys, check out the ramp. If I could do skate it. at all, I would do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I, was I was
2: looking at on. that vert. That's like four feet of vert, you said? <laughs> should we charge it? That's yeah. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, my ramp's bigger, so it's a little easier.
2: Yeah, I was I, when I was a kid, I would I was skating, and I would go up to the half pipe and just look down. I'd be like, I can't do it. Right, just I dropped into the edge. Yeah, I dropped in like a couple times. Then I broke my wrist, and my career was over. Oh, like, that'll do it, yeah. Yeah, but I should have stuck with it, but water polo came <laughs> surfing i don't know yeah you had other passions that percolated <laughs> yeah. all um, right you guys well thanks for having me yeah, yeah, yeah thank tony, you so much thank you
0: for doing it yeah appreciate it cool great thanks thank man. you dude so we're back uh
2: so stoked
0: we're just talking about how stoked we were about <laughs> yeah. we're doing the beefs and legends and babes without tony hawk and a. we're just so stoked on him. he was a beast
2: we were both nervous that's the most nervous i've ever been doing the yeah pod. yeah well i was first talking to him when we first met him i was i, I started talking about the uh his half pipe and uh i'm like yeah that vert now in my head i'm like why are you talking to tony hawk about how scary vert is <laughs> right <laughs> you're fucking, you're fucking <laughs>
0: it, and for me it wasn't even his like it wasn't even his legend as like a skater and stuff it was yeah. just, like he's very as a person on top of it
2: very smart yeah
0: he has a lot of command and yeah. uh he's a smart guy super smart guy really
2: cool dude so com- well yeah, so many accomplishments and just yeah and it's cool how uh i love his like core message of like he just followed what he loved and it wasn't for like the, the fame really it was right. like he was just doing what he loved to do and just cultivating that creativity and stuff and just that progression and
0: and it feels like he's still progressing yeah yeah so I mean Tony thank you so much for doing the pod dude yeah. it was a you're a legend real dream come true for us and thanks to Al Madrigal for uh, setting it up thank you Al yeah Um. alright Chad
2: <laughs> who is your beef of the week uh, my beef of the week is uh, Slim Jim because I love Slim Jim. So it's an actual beef of the week. Oh. Yeah. That's a play on. I'm playing with the words a little bit, did Joe dog. do that last week, too? He did. Okay, right on. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> I just remembered that. Maybe that's why it was in my dome. But I love Slim Jim. It's always there to keep me in ketosis in times of need. Um, You know, oftentimes I'll be out and about running around doing whatever, you know, just like looking for different shampoos. Or different um, types of t-shirts I can wear. And I'll be like, oh, fuck, I forgot to eat. I need to eat. And what comes through in the clutch every time? Slim Jim. Thank you, Slim Jim. I know people say you're gross, but I don't think you are. I think you taste delicious. And I ignore all that stuff that's actually in you. Because you keep me in ketosis. So thank you. Beautiful beef. What's
0: your beef? My beef of the week is Kobe and Shaq. Ooh. I mean, this is one of the greatest beefs in sports history. And it's because... They were teammates. You know what I mean? And it's these two alpha dogs jostling for control of a team. And they both had claim to it because Shaq was the most dominant player in the NBA, but Kobe was a harder worker and it was probably the toughest uh, shot maker in the league. And th- it worked for a while. They won three titles. You know what I mean? I mean, there's only a couple other teams that have done it. And they were always fighting over, like, you know, Kobe being more of a, of a passer and, like I said, Shaq working out more. And they just couldn't figure it out. Shaq goes to the Heat, wins a title without Kobe. And the, the NBA salivates over this and sets them up as the Christmas Day game. Christmas is always the biggest game and they have it Lakers versus Heat. And I remember watching that and just being like, ooh, of course, Kobe scores the most points but the Heat win. And then a couple years later, because Kobe's in the uh, wilderness for a while with Smush Parker and a uh, bad team. Sorry, Smush. Um, he ends up getting to the finals, but loses to the Celtics. Then Shaq in the off season does a song at a club. He gets up on the stage, grabs a mic and goes, Kobe couldn't win one without me. Eat my ass. <laughs> And uh, also blames Kobe for his marriage. And then he's like, just eat my ass, eat my ass, eat my ass. But then Kobe comes back, wins two titles, and they now seem like they're friends. So I think they just needed a distance from working together for them to really appreciate how they both wrote, brought up each other's level. And they just did such goofy stuff. Like Kobe one time was on TV and they were asking him how him and Shaq's relationship was. And he was like, it's fine. And they were like, well, did you ever call him to like apologize about this stuff? He goes, no, I don't have his number. And everyone's like, you can't get Shaq's number, dude. Just weird moves by both of them, but it was fun growing up in SoCal and watching them win titles, and uh, yeah, it was a it's a big-time sports beef.
2: Dude, uh, have we covered on the pod Chudwin's story about Shaq? I don't think we have. His mom, so our buddy Chudwin, his mom, uh, it was at the end of a game, his mom was approaching Shaq to get an uh, autograph for his basketball, for her son's basketball. And she's like, excuse me, um, Mr. O'Neal, would you be able to uh, sign my son's basketball? And he's like, shut your ass, woman. Whoa. Strider has
0: good experiences with him when he
2: valets his car. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I told (laughs) Strider he's a good looking dude.
2: (laughs) How do you have that be like the first thing you say? Right. Shut your ass, woman.
0: (laughs) Shut your ass. Yeah, I obviously had my personal issues with Shaq where he kind of like disrespected me and some other fans trying to get his autograph. But then I've also heard good things about him, like um, like on the set of Shazam, I heard he worked his ass off or Kazam.
2: Yeah, I've, I've always I feel like he's known generally to be a good dude. Yeah, I think he lost that night. That's why he's pissed. Yeah,
0: he um, when he launched a big podcast, his podcast, he had Kobe on as his first guest, and he introduced Kobe as the greatest le- Laker ever. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's cool that they could come so far. Good, Shaz- good use of shut your ass too. Yeah, he loves ass because he told Kobe to eat his ass too. It's a big ass. Seven foot one, 400 pound booty. Booty ball, bro. Chad, nice. who is your
2: babe of the week? My babe of the week is the uh, school level in Tony Hawk 2. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Fitting. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm uh, my legends and babes are kind of like in the theme of Tony Hawk because we're in his hawk's lair. Hawk's lair. Yeah. Um, Dude, it's, it's got to be one of my favorite levels in Tony Hawk 2. I love the video games so much. Uh, Tony Hawk 2, I think, is my favorite. You know, I'd say Underground was legit, like super legit, and I loved it. But, I mean, Tony Hawk 2 really, that's what what—that's what got me into the games. That's what really captured my interest, especially the school level. And I don't know, it's not like the most extreme level, you know. It's not like they have like huge ramps and stuff. It's It's more like how it's... I think how it's so, you know, like, oh, I'm at a school, and I'm just shredding it up. And they um, there's just something about it that I loved. It was just, like, it was so simple. Yeah, you could do so much, so much with it. I'd have to play it again to give you guys more detail because I haven't played it in probably, like, 12 years or something. But um, I just want to give a shout-out to that level. It's legit. And the video games in general. Beautiful. They're babes. They are so hot. Dude, I would do tricks for, like, 10 minutes like one combo because you do the manuals you know i do like kickflip manual dark slide feeble grind smith grind you know for like 10 minutes and be like dude oh, i, I just play for hours minutes. just switch oh, yeah, off yeah. with a buddy and just keep going yeah it's amazing who's your babe my baby of the week
0: is close to what you've been talking about burger meat dude you know yes chad's got me accepting who i am to myself and i am keto although i had a banana yesterday but uh, Way to admit of, it, dude. One of the staples of my keto diet is burger meat. I order burger patties all the time, oftentimes with cheese, and I love them. It's a great dish, and nobody really fucks up a burger patty. You can get it almost anywhere, and you're in good shape, even at the airport. I mean, obviously, my favorite is the Flying Dutchman from In-N-Out, but I love burger patties from far and wide, and uh, I'm just glad you're in my life, you sexy motherfuckers.
2: Oh, that was beautiful.
0: Chad, who is your legend of the week?
2: My legend of the week is the X Games. Dude, uh, when I was a kid growing up, my favorite time of the year, and yeah, I'm talking over Christmas, was watching the X Games. Is someone skating right now?
0: Yeah, I think Tony's kids are. Wow. Or his boys. His bros are skating. It's pretty wild, guys. Man. I want to go skate. We're literally watching the X Games.
2: Yeah. Yeah, my legend is uh, out the window. Yeah, it's happening behind um, us. Um it's my favorite time. It was my favorite time of year growing up to watch. Like those those like it was like a week or two. The best sponsors Taco Bell, Mountain Dew. Other sponsors. So many cool events. It was summertime. People were getting extreme. People were getting, you know, Bob Burnquist, uh Tony Hawk, freaking um who are some of the dirtbaggers? Travis Pastrana. Who's that? Brian, Brian, Deegan, Brian Deegan. Corey
0: Hart. Corey Hart. I just loved watching Corey all Hart. of it.
2: I love taking it all in. I love the style. I love the feel. I love the fact that it was just hot. It was in the middle of summer and people were getting extreme and it got me extreme. Everyone there was cool. Everyone was cool. And it made me just want to get outside and freaking rip it up.
0: And dude, when it would come down to the finals, like I was always the most uh, like bike, like vert BMX oh, it would yeah. always be Dave Mirror, rest in peace and Jay Miron, yeah and then it would always come down to the final run yeah. and you were like it was just sitting there with bated breath like holy shit like who's gonna pull this gold off
2: well what do you think of motocross do you think it was like too inaccessible racing or the jumps the jumps
0: no I like the jumps yeah,
2: yeah. yeah they're cool to watch but like did it was it kind of like you're like it's too sort of fantastical like I, there, there's no way I could ever do anything like that
0: i could see that but i felt closer to them because i actually dirt biked a little bit okay yeah okay so I, I had more of like a uh i mean it was all a stretch of the imagination for me but it, with dirt biking i was like all right yeah i hit jumps before yeah. but with skating i can't even like you know i can't drop in. yeah so i guess I that's like, a good point yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: did you dirt bike
2: i dirt biked five times right my parents were not down
0: it's dangerous as fuck dude everyone i know got hurt doing yeah,
2: it. yeah i i my first time I went, my buddy Sean took me and I, he had me like sit behind him on the dirt bike and he was just hauling ass. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? It scared the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, I always
0: think the, the most wild people are the people who are amped when the other person is driving. Yeah. Like if someone else is driving like a maniac and you're like, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah. Like
2: that's pure like uh, psycho junkie and it makes you think about the amount of trust you have to put into someone to ride on the back of a motorcycle How, uh, you know the person driving
0: is dumb the person behind them is dumber. loyal to the dumb person yeah, <laughs> yeah it's loyalty to the dumb dude I had a friend Joe Black he was my he's my dad's age but uh, he would race in the Baja 500 and you know they, they blast on a dirt bike for like a whole day he's doing 90 miles an hour through the dunes boom hits a horse oh <laughs> sorry guys I know that's sad but he smacked a horse so me and my brother come visit him at his house full body cast oh. just drilled up to his neck with a uh, medical wrap we and then a, he like punctured his lung they had to like airlift him out of there he cracked like three of his ribs did the horse explode? so I go how's the horse? he goes fuck the horse it's dead <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys I know it's a tragedy I love horses so much it's my favorite animal but uh, it was funny when Joe said that <laughs> that is funny he never cursed either. Like he would get mad at me when I was a kid if I said like "shoot."
2: <laughs> it's yeah. funny to think of him in that body. Fuck the horse, dude. <laughs> He's like "fuck that horse." It's dead.
0: <laughs> um, Joe is a action sports maniac, so I'm thinking about him a lot. When we interviewed Tony Hawk, I'm still jacked on it, guys. Hell zone? No, no, no. Mm. Joe Black, who actually has the same name oh, as Joe Black Brad Pitt me. in the movie Meet Joe Black. Black. Chad, Black. who is your? Our oh, you just your legend? It. Yeah. Okay. My legend of the week is Mr. Sands. Mr. Sands was my seventh grade English teacher. And at the time I thought he was the coolest guy who ever lived. And now in retrospect, I realize what a weirdo he was. Like he would do bizarre things like get high in his car, but also be high in class, I think. And just like derail the subject for the day. And then just be like, guys, I've seen an alien before. And then we'd all be like, really? And then he goes, yeah, I was driving down the highway and down the other highway came two bright lights that were 12 feet above the air and he'd start drawing it on the board and I'd be like, this is the best fucking English class of my life. But he also had a temper. So once in a while he would cuss. He broke a ruler in front of Samar's face. She was a little annoying, but you know, a teacher shouldn't do that. And he was just totally irresponsible, but in a way that was very relatable. Like He lost the uh, grade book, so he's like, I'm just going to give all of you Bs. And I was like, fuck yeah, because I had Fs. But the A students were like, that's bullshit. And me and all the other F students were like, shut up. Shut up. So we got the Bs. In hindsight, obviously they were right. Mr. Sands, totally irresponsible. And then at lunch, he didn't want to hang out with the other teachers, so he would just let the kids come into his class, and he let us set up an Xbox, and we would just chill in his class at lunch and play. But... He ended up getting fired because he threw a chair at one of our teachers, Mrs. O'Connor. Yeah, bummer. That'll do it. So yeah, Mr. Sands, when I describe you, I sound like I'm describing someone that doesn't belong around children. But uh, I have to tell the truth. At the time, when you were my teacher, you were my favorite. And uh, when you told the class that you were leaving after throwing the chair at Mrs. O'Connor, we all cried. And I meant those tears because you were the man. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Mr. Sands. Chad Chad's Chad's checking out the skating. It's hard not to watch cuz there's like, just a bunch of people ripping.
2: I feel like we're the nerds and they're the cool kids. Yeah, for sure.
0: No, they don't give a fuck about podcasts. These guys don't listen to podcasts. They listen to vert. Yeah. They like hang out with each other and like build experiences. But I love podcasts. Oh, this kid's good. Yeah, he's ripping. Oh, nice. Oh, dude. And roll, dude. Comes into the quarter pipe. Oh, oh, monster dude. 180. Solid. Dropping in. Here comes Teddy Debossi. Oh, he's got good pace. He's coming up the wall. Oh, with the coping. Classic
2: nose stall.
0: We are in skateboard nirvana right now, my friends. I wish you were here. If you could borrow my eyes, I would be a happy man, for you would be seeing some of the most epic skating that has ever been done. Oh, with the casual grace of a leopard. Oh, and the hardcore strength of a mule. Chad,
2: what is your quote of the week? My quote is um, "It's from Lords of Dogtown. Dude. Dude, he's got the inner ear problem. Suck my inner ear, J-boy. Epic comeback, dude. Fire comeback. He really got him. He's like, he's got the inner ear problem. He's like, how about you suck my inner ear? Which I don't even know how you do that.
0: No, I don't either. But that's what I think makes it such a spectacular burn is that like Mm. you're basically saying my butt. Mm -hmm. But it's more clever. All right. My quote is from A Knight's Tale. I was shocked to find out A Knight's Tale didn't make back its budget on its box office grosses. But it's a cult classic. I mean, everyone remembers it. And I always really like James Purefoy, who played the, uh, the king in the movie, or the prince rather, Prince Edward. And we don't realize this until about a quarter of the way through. And then he says this when uh, Heath Ledger is stuck in the, uh, the stocks because they find out he's not a knight. He goes, what a pair we make, huh? Both trying to hide who we are, both unable to do so. Your men love you. And if I knew nothing else about you, that would be enough. But you also tilt when you should withdraw. And that is knightly too. Because earlier in the movie, Heath Ledger found out that he was Prince Edward, but he still went against him in the joust when everybody else dropped out. And he was like, no, if this prince is in this tournament, it's because he wants people to respect him as a jouster. I'm not going to give him carte blanche just because of his title. Let's go. And like he said, you tilt when you should withdraw. And that is knightly too. So what up, A Knight's Tale? And rest in peace, Heath Ledger. R.I.P., dude. My dog. Boom, clap, Stokers, and thank you to Mr. Tony Hawk.
2: Dude, thank you, Tony Hawk, for coming in. Stokers, thank you for listening. Make sure you come in with those fire reviews. Should I lay down a review of the week right now? Hit it, baby. Because we love those reviews, baby. They help us in more ways than you guys know.
0: I'm always checking the number to see how many reviews we get, and I'm comparing it against other podcasts. Uh... They say compare and despair, but sometimes if you're in front of someone, it actually feels kind of good.
2: So this comes from, this is subject line, Aw, dude, aw, by Trash. I just want to say this is the best pot out there right now, my dogs. My stoke tank has never been full this consistently. Every time I hear Chad and JT, they just fill my life up with positivity. Thank you, dude. Me and my bros have never been so stoked, and it's all thanks to Chad, JT, Strider, Joe, and Aaron. Stoked that you included Aaron. Aaron, beast, dude. Thanks for reminding me every week after week to get after it and never let a schmoll bring you down. You dudes are my legends of the week. Thank you, dude, and thank you for the review, and Stokers, thank you for tuning in.
0: Thank you, dudes, and we miss Aaron, but also big thanks to Jay Farney for the filming today on the Tony Hawk podcast. We could not do it without him. The setup we have here looks like a Michael Bay movie. We got, like, five cameras going and no issues. So that's my dog helping out.
2: We're about to pull off a massive stunt. And you can see where I'm pointing. Guys, you have never seen Jay Farney, but imagine at the other end of my finger
0: is Jay. There's a sign in here that says Big Tuna, Texas. That's, that's Jay. awesome. Jay, you're my Big Tuna, Texas. Jay's from Texas.
2: Population, huge. Huge. All right, guys, that's it for episode 78, 9? Yeah, or are 80. Yeah. One of them. We've been doing more lately, so yeah. we don't, we're, we're losing it. One of those episodes. We're getting
0: up there, fellas. And ladies. Thank you, dudes. Crosshouse legends. Boom clap, Stokers. Uh,
2: what's up, Stokers of Stoke Nations? This is Chad Kroger coming in with the Go Deep at Chad JT Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Sure, thank you for having also, uh, congrats on the twenty year anniversary of the nine hundred. That was yesterday, I believe. Oh, June twenty seventh, yeah. June twenty seventh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that was <laughs> actually one of my first memories is watching the nine hundred. Oh the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh that's awesome. Yeah. Oh,
0: Did you. everyone at the games know you were gonna go for it that year?
1: Like I, like, I didn't know I was gonna do it, so Oh really? It like, yeah, it was it was very spontaneous. Um, I mean, I had been trying it off and on over the years and, and gotten really close actually like land one, broke my rib as I was coming down. Um, and so by that time in my life, I'd kind of given up on it because I'd Mm -hmm. gone through so much injury and, and struggle with it. And then when that night came around, it was the best trick event. So I had something in mind for best trick because I had done it before this other trick. Is it 720 right 720 burial yeah, yeah they right. 720, and so uh that was my only plan and i made it early into the event and so then it was like what's next <laughs> right <laughs> and i think the announcer said something too like "Why are you trying right now and i was just like oh not that <laughs> thing again you know it was really more like all right well here's what it looks like that was that was my mindset i was like i'll try it and i'll show you how they work, but
0: but then were like a dog on a bone, right. Um, like, I,
1: I think I, I think what happened was uh, at that time, especially in skating, there weren't that many good ramps, and that ramp was especially fast, mm-hmm. and it it helped a lot for doing a trick like that because it gave you, it gave me more height, and also that it wasn't um the ramp was true in, in the sense that like each wall was the same, so you could take it for granted; you didn't have to adjust it all. And between those two things, that gave me the advantage to actually be consistent with my spin and with the technique. And then at some point I was like, wow, I'm getting a lot closer. Right. Um, I, if I try to land it again, I might break my rib, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen
2: now. Wasn't the uh, like the, sw- the slight tweak you made, like a shift in mid-air, like a weight shift, is that what you found? Um, to land it? Or yeah, land it
1: was mostly because the one, the, the, the times that I had tried to make it, in fact the one time that I really got close, was in like 1995 or 96, I had put it on the wall and I was riding down and I was just leaning too far forward so yeah. I, I like crumpled into the flat bottom and I did that too during the X Games but I didn't get so hurt mm-hmm. and so in that moment I thought, well what if I shift my weight while I'm spinning like, it gave me that... It, luckily, nice. it gave me that time to, to think about that. Yeah. And then when I did shift my weight, I ended up falling backwards. And so I just kind of split the difference. Oh. And that's okay. when I found the words.
0: How long would you have kept going
3: that night?
1: Uh, I either... Until I was in a ambulance or on the podium, <laughs> right, yeah, two <laughs> options. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was about it. I wasn't going to give up because because I was tired. There was no Yeah, way. yeah. Or on TV, you're like, oh, they're still on. Me. I yeah. didn't really. That wasn't a concern because they the time was up for the event. So in my head, I was just doing it to make it finally. Right. I, mean, I had I really thought we were off air because it was a live event. Oh, really? And yeah, and it was a 20 minute session, and so I had gone, but the time had expired. um and that was fun. Like I wasn't. That wasn't the goal. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but they ended up running it live over time, just because they saw that happening. Yeah,
0: it was great TV. It was amazing. because yeah. yeah, I remember watching it too. Yeah. yeah. How long
1: did they <laughs> extend the time? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. It was probably five or ten minutes. Okay.
0: When you pull something like that off, how do you celebrate?
1: Um, I. It's weird when, especially in the skating through the years there's so many tricks that, that I've really wanted to do and, and most of the time I haven't been able to do them and you have been expecting it for so long that it's just more of a relief it's not like this oh
0: my god I did it it's
1: like ah oh, finally you just kind of right. come behind you it's a weird it's it's validation and you feel yeah. good about it but but there isn't this great celebratory thing right. I mean there it was because the context of the, the event and the crowd well, and, the other and there. my peers and stuff yeah, like that but I've done plenty of other tricks here on this ramp where I-, I was trying it for i don't know maybe months or a year and then i did it and it was just like oh, just check that one off like an override
2: right. do you do you have sort of the mindset of whenever you sort of you complete the 900 or whatever are you immediately kind of like all right what's the next trick or are you able to sort of yeah I, in it and um stuff
1: yeah after that not long after that i started trying variations of it Mm -hmm. i started trying different grabs i tried to burial it yeah i couldn't but um definitely that was always the that that was always my mindset i mean at my age now that's not really the like nowadays it's sort of like uh, i want to try something that maybe is a little more technical it's not high impact it's not a lot of spinning Mm -hmm. and i want to do that and i don't think of like that's the stepping stone To something else mm-hmm. It's more like I'm just happy to be Learning a trick At my age Yeah Just like mastery But it's not like A spectacle as much Yeah It's it's more for the It's more like For the hardcore skaters To appreciate it. Right You know the, the, the nuances Of the difficulty factor For sure So what kind of tricks Are you pulling off now
2: Or the new ones That
1: you're learning It's more Sort of uh, Lip trick grind stuff Okay So, so I have a couple Things in mind That I've been wanting To do recently Um That just require this sort of the best explanation I have is like a coping dance where I'm just trying to like shift from one grind to another while still sliding across and 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 doing it like blind side so it's backwards and um, I don't know it's hard to explain I mean some if you wanted the details the the trick I want to learn is alley frontside lip slide to kick it into a backside smith gosh yeah that's what I I want (laughs) for sure i think i yeah, can picture that yeah <laughs> and it's like to to the layman to the non-skater it's gonna be like what what is he doing yeah yeah just you know shifting around and coping but yeah but
2: the difficulty factor is high right it's sort of like riding switch like the,
1: the a little bit sport. yeah it's really a little, and, and it's band. also just more that you can't see where you're going you can't yeah. see what you're doing it's all in the feeling of it yeah that's cool so that's that's kind of where i'm at with my skating sweet
0: so you grew up around here we're I grew in Diego, San yeah. Diego,
1: yeah.
0: Right um, we, no, we're not in San Diego, are we right
1: now? We are in Vista currently. Okay. Um, this is my office. This is where my ramp is. It's badass. Um, yeah.
0: A huge ramp, guys, for those of you Yeah, know. I actually
1: bought this yeah. I bought this building before it was built and had them change the uh, height of the ceiling before they built it so that we could put the ramp in here. Oh, cool. And I actually bought it for the ramp because this ramp was always on tour, and that was the only time we ever got to ride it, it was when we were on the road. And then when we were home, it was just in storage. And I said, why do we have the best ramp in the world? I don't get to ride it unless we're on the road." Right. So I got this building, and then all the businesses here kind of fell into place. Have you ever touched, like,
0: the bars when you hit them? Uh,
1: my know? friend touched that pipe. See the lower pipe that goes past yes. it? Wow. It's about he, 20
0: feet above the Yeah, he the hit it with bird. his nose.
1: What? Oh. Yeah. On purpose or on accident? On purpose, he's aiming for it. Nice. How, How do you come quickly? down from that? Uh, Quickly. New <laughs> Land? He made it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's, so, this was on the Boom Boom Hot Jam. Tour? This is the,
1: Yeah, this is that right Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh,
0: nice. Our buddy Strider went to that. I wasn't allowed to go. I was in trouble at the time. Oh, yeah, what city last week? I think Anaheim. Okay, yeah. Yeah. TiVo played Anaheim. Yeah. But, oh, the band? Yeah. Nice. Whip It Good? Yep. Dude, they're great. Yeah. They're yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, well, your music, dude, we wanted to ask you about. Tony Hawk Pro Skater did you help curate the music for that because it had such great soundtrack yeah yeah
1: yeah for sure I wanted to represent skateboarding culture and skateboarding soundtrack and so yeah. um, as we got down the line especially after the first two games then then the uh, it, you could put more storage on the discs because they went from CD to DVD yeah was next after that and so we were able to put a lot more songs on it and so the soundtrack was much more rich and I just kept throwing out suggestions from my past and mm-hmm. from, from the stuff I listen to at skate parks and stuff so that's what I wanted to represent the newer the newer bands that they had in it especially like the first two uh, for instance Goldfinger Mill Cullen, Cullen Power Man 5000 that was yeah. all more on the music side of Activision to get Right. my contribution was more like the Black Flag Dead Kennedys Primus BuzzFeed right. those kind of stuff it
2: for sure Gorilla Radio always comes to mind whenever right think of the game oh yeah like, Rage, rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah, everyone has their, their I song. mean the people who are in the game they always have that one like that's the song <laughs> yeah. it's not that it's Ace of Spades yeah, yeah, yeah. or it's uh, the gold pretend yeah, of Superman
0: yeah that's the yeah. one I remember the most yeah because I don't know Superman yeah, yeah. that's it <laughs> when, so, did you, and I, I want to talk to you about like getting your name on the game because I heard that was like it almost didn't happen but because it did like the amount of I guess it's kind of gauche to talk about but the amount of money you made like was way more because of that.
1: Uh, yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't a discussion that my name wouldn't be on it. It was more that there were a few different companies trying to do skate games at that time, and and one actually approached me about being involved. Right. Um, and that that game did come out. It was it was Thrasher Skate or Die. Uh, but but yeah, I was in early talks with them, and then Activision called me because they heard that I had been. Talking to this other company And they said Hey we are also working on a skate game Why don't you come check it out And so I went to Activision And when I saw their demo mm-hmm. Of what they were doing Even though it was based on a different game It was actually The, the character that I was first played Was Bruce Willis <laughs> With a gun on his back Because wow. the, the, the engine was um, made from a game They had already done called Apocalypse That featured him So the first incarnation of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was Bruce Willis skating through a desert um, with a gun on his back. Well, that's awesome. That's um, a cool game, too. Well, I, what, I mean, that's just because they're, you know... They're they hybrid it. You're using thing. the characters just to get the... Right, that's on, but, yeah. um, but when I saw that, I thought, this is it. This is the, this is the direction because yeah. the, the controls were intuitive and I knew that with my resources and, and my connections that we could make something that really spoke to skaters.
2: Yeah. How... How directly involved were you in the design of the levels? Um, Mostly,
1: I was more involved with the design of the levels that included real skate spots. Yeah. So my input would be like, "We gotta do San Francisco." Yeah. We gotta do China Banks. We gotta do the Wharf. You know what I mean? Like that would be my. But then some levels are just made up. Like school is made up, and that's their deal. So that's kind of how.
2: I always thought that was uh, based off Hollywood High. Is that not true? I think my buddy just told me that.
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, there was there was one, one of the schools had the Leap of Faith. Yeah. And that was based on an actual school skate spot here in San Diego. Okay. But the rest of it wasn't designed around the exact same school. Okay. Gotcha. Do you play video games? Uh, I used to, for sure. I, I, these days, my biggest, uh, the most, let's see. The most I play is with my daughter playing, like, Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart. Right. So um, more just to,
0: like, bond with your kids.
1: Yeah, because the other kids, you know, they're playing Fortnite and they're, they're playing uh, NFL. and uh, so sophisticated. Kid, yeah. It's not even that. It's just more, like, the time suck. Right. I wish I had that much time to play, but I'm yeah. usually off and running. Yeah, I don't have one either because I think I would just use it too much. Yeah, I mean, i love it. Like, I, if I was their age, that's exactly what I'd be doing for, for like, sure. You know, I'm just not at an age where I can. For sure. I mean, and it's amazing. Like
2: the the technology is insane now. It's yeah. It, do you have a desire to build another game, create another game?
1: Uh, I, always, sure. Yeah. I mean, if the right opportunity comes along. Yeah. Um, I would really love to remaster our old games too, but that uh, that's going to require a lot of um, negotiations right. because I haven't worked with Activision in a while, so. Cool. Wait, did check this. Advice
3: These guys are really nice You wanna know what